Hello again, everyone. I'm Joe Longinusa, welcoming you to another edition of Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro. The show where industry leaders, golf professionals, and legends all come and discuss the great game we love so much. So without further ado, let's turn it over to our host to tell us who's next on the tee. Chris, take it away. Hey, thank you, Joe. Good morning, everybody, and thank you for coming back and joining me again this morning on Next on the Tee. We are brought to you today by the great folks over at the French Lick Resort, an absolutely spectacular place. Their Pete Dye and Donald Ross design courses were ranked number one and number two in the state of Indiana by Golf Week. It was the site of last year's Senior PGA Championship and the LPGA Legends Championship. Go to FrenchLick.com to see for yourself how great it is and to book your stay. We are also sponsored by our friends over at The Leather Shop, makers of top-quality custom-made leather, dress, casual, and golf shoes. Do your feet a favor and put them inside shoes. You're going to keep them feeling good and looking good all day long. You can find them online at the-leather-shop.com. We also want to give a shout-out to our friends over at the World Golf Village, located in historic St. Augustine, Florida, heading down there in 12 days, my friends, for our annual Guys Golf Trip. Can't wait to get down there. It is also the home of the World Golf Hall of Fame. No matter the time of year or the length of your visit, the World Golf Village is sure to deliver a great experience with family or friends, and you're going to make memories that last you a lifetime. For more information, visit them online at worldgolfvillage.com or give them a call. 1-800-948-4653. Our new friends, a pair of new friends joining us here now on Next on the Tee, and that is the uh, PGA Tour Superstore, which is a golf wonderland and the best place to get everything that uh, that you need to to look great, play great, get out on the golf course, right? Check out all their great items from golf balls to clubs to range finders and so much more at PGATourSuperstore.com. And Jones Global Sports and the Bobby Jones Company, raise your game to new heights and performance with a brand that's been known for style, character, and excellence for the last 25 years, and that's the Bobby Jones Company. They have an inspired collection of products that capitalize on fabric technology to deliver a modern feel and look while also honoring the legacy of Bobby Jones that delivers on the promise of enduring style. They work hard to earn your respect, your trust, your business, and just as important, your long-term friendship. Communicate that you're here to stay by wearing clothes from a brand that has been in, that's, uh, had enduring style and presence, like I say, for over 25 years, and that's the Bobby Jones Company. Check out all their great styles by going to bobbyjones.com. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro, like Joe said, and I, you know, I've got three great guests that I'm really looking forward to sharing with you this morning. First up is going to be Tom Dixon, and Tom is the uh, North American product manager for Echo Golf and Sports Shoes. So I'm really looking forward to talking with Tom about, you know, their great golf shoes that they have to offer. they got a lot of great technology. The Echo Cage shoes have really captured my attention. Plus, they've got some hybrid styles of golf shoes as well. So Tom is going to be here to talk about all that and more with me here in just a few moments. Following him, we'll get a return visit from top 100 club fitter Scott Felix. Today, Scott and I are going to talk about, you know, sort of from the top of the club down. We'll go from the grips to the right shafts to the club heads. We'll find out what's going to be right for your game and how to know when you go to the PGA Tour Superstore to look for new, new golf clubs. What are the things you should be looking for, you know, based on your game and your style? for the way you play a game, swing speeds and all of that sort of thing. Scott's going to be here with me about 25 minutes from now. 
And then we'll round out the show by talking with top instructor and the director of golf at Bully Rock Golf Course up in Maryland, Rick Roundsville will be here. Rick has worked with, uh, you know, worked for some of the, you know, the oldest and most prestigious golf courses in the country. Bully Rock now is, you know, annually ranked among the top 100 you can play by Golf Magazine. So I look forward to talking with Rick about all of that and so much more. And he'll join me later this hour. So we've got another great show lined up for you this morning. I'm so glad that you're here to take the journey with me over the next hour or so. And like I mentioned a moment ago at the top of the show, Next on the Tee is brought to you by our friends over at the French Lick Resort up in French Lick, Indiana. Folks, like I say, you want to talk about a spectacular resort to both play golf and just relax and enjoy yourself. Well, you need to go check out the French Lick Resort uh, Golf Club uh, and, uh, and Resort. It's at FrenchLick.com. Let's hear from our friends up there. This is the time to play legendary golf at French Lick Resort. Book one of our money-saving packages like the Hall of Fame package and play our Pete Dye and Donald Ross courses. Stay in historic luxury at our French Lick or West Baden Springs hotels. Relax in our spas. Dine in our restaurants. Have some gaming fun in the casino. Or just rock on our rambling verandas like they did 100 years ago. Go online to FrenchLick.com and book your legendary golf getaway now at French Lick Resort. Yeah, folks, we've been up there. My family and I went up there last summer, played the Pete Dye course and the Donald Ross course. They are absolutely spectacular. We can't wait to get back up there later this year. The French Lick Resort needs to be on your list of places to stay and play. And like you just said, my friends, they got a casino right there on the property as well. Again, for more information and to book your stay, go to FrenchLick.com. And every week here on Next on the T, we like to kick off the show by saluting the brave men and women serving in every branch of our military who are tuning in around the world on the Armed Forces Radio Network. We thank you for that. We also want to thank you, you know, for your daily sacrifices that you and your families are making to protect our freedoms and our liberties. We also want to thank our veterans for all that you and your families have done for us over the years. It's through your strength and your efforts that our way of life is even possible. Folks, if you see a member of our military, when you're out and about, whether that's in the airport, in a restaurant, at the grocery store, wherever you may be, please stop for a moment and tell them thank you. They are our true heroes. Our sincere thanks as well to Sean Cruz and all the wonderful folks over at the Armed Forces Radio Network. It is such an honor for us to have Next on the T be a part of your network. You can find our show by going to armedforcesradionetwork.org. And I also want to continue to remind our veterans out there, be sure to check out globalvoiceforveterans.org. It is a great site with news and articles and a wealth of information designed specifically for our veterans out there that I'm sure you're going to find both interesting and beneficial to you. Again, globalvoiceforveterans.org. All right, now joining me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Tom Dixon. Let me give you some more background on Tom. He earned his Master of Science degree in sports management from Ulster University. One of his early roles was as a pro shop assistant at St. Andrew's East Golf Club up in Toronto. From there, he became the promotions director for the uh, Sudbury Wolves of the Ontario Hockey League. And he then became marketing and promotions director of the Belfast Giants Hockey Club in the Elite Ice Hockey League over in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Fast forward a couple of years, he joined Echo Shoes, first as a field sales merchandiser and then a project manager, and now he's the North American product man- manager for golf and sports shoes, and I am very honored that he is with me next on the tee this morning. Good morning, Tom. Thanks for coming on the show. Good morning. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate the time. So, Tom, let's let's you know kind of you know start at the I guess not at the beginning, but you know midway in, in your life. Let's go back to your time at college at Ulster University. Ulster, as 
campuses in Ireland as well as over in London and Birmingham and England. And you know, one of, actually, it was one of the first universities to start offering online degrees. So wh which campus or where did you start attending that school? Uh, I was at the uh, I was split between campuses, but I was mainly uh, mainly based in Belfast, and that's uh, that's how I was working for the Belfast Giants over there. So we had uh, when I was doing my undergrad, there was a couple of good connections that we had with the Belfast Giants and with that school over there. So they were also one of the first um, programs in the United Kingdom to offer kind of a sport management or a sport business program at the master's level. Um, so the, after I did my undergrad, which was in that degree as well. I thought I would take it kind of to the next level, and and you know when you're young, you don't really have a. There's no uh, no reason to say no when there's an international opportunity presented to you. Yeah, and you know, and to that point, Tom, you're you're very well traveled from your roles, whether it was you know over in Ontario, <laughs> Canada, and Belfast, Northern Ireland, back to Ontario, over to Denmark, now. Now in yeah. New Hampshire, here in the states, uh, of the places you've been, I'm imagining you've got to you've got to play some pretty great golf courses and and, and do some pretty cool things. Yeah. Talk about some of your favorite places to play and some of the cool things you've been associated with. Um, well, you know, one is I when I was in Belfast, going back to that, I got to play uh, Rory's home course, Hollywood. Um, I actually bumped into Rory in Belfast once, and this was I think he was only 17 or 18 at the time, and uh, one of the guys I was with was. Like you're a big golf fan, right? And I said, yeah, absolutely. Like, look over there, and I turned around. It was Rory, so I was kind of starstruck at that point. But uh, I played, you know, Scotland. I love playing in Scotland. I've been up there with work and and played up there as well. Um, you know, being a being a Canadian guy and being from the Toronto area, I think that there's a lot of lot of beautiful courses in, in the Toronto area, especially if you go north into what we would call Muskoka or kind of our lakes region, our cottage country. There are some magnificent golf courses up there. And, you know, Tom, like I mentioned in your intro, you spent some time, as you talk about Toronto, at St. Andrew's East Golf Club up in Toronto. And that course, you know, I, I took a look at it online. It looks absolutely amazing. Talk a little bit about your experience there. Yeah, it was, um, it was great. I, I started there, I think I was 13 or 14, and I, I worked all through high school and all through my, my undergrad at university. I worked there for nine years, and it was a fantastic experience working there at the a small private club, just just a little bit north of the city, say 30, 45 minutes northeast of the city. Um, 18 hole club. It's an equity club. No tee times for the members. Like I said, wow. very small membership. It was uh, it was fantastic. I mean, the, the the people working there and all the members were great. I really like look back and you know when I have children, I think like working at a golf course, especially somewhere like that. Like there's so many things you learn. Um, especially at a young age, and it was it was a fantastic experience. Uh, I the course itself is 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 great. I love the layout of the course; is fantastic. It's a it's a six six six, so you have six par five, six par four, six par threes. They they're and this was I haven't been there for a while, but they're kind of constantly slowly updating the course. So there's never any major major renovations. But over the years, they move key boxes and they move bunkers just to make it a little bit more challenging, a little bit more different for the members. Lots of great member events as well. So it was a fantastic place to work. And I can say that, you know, one of my life goals is to, you know, if I move back to Canada eventually is to join that club. There you go. And, and you know, exactly. and Tom, you, you make a great, a great point, you know, and uh, we've talked on this show with several people about, you know, how, you know, lots of folks grew up in the game by, you know, being able to work at a golf course, lots of, lots of them as caddies. 
and that sort of thing, which unfortunately is, you know, sort of gone away and we've lost that opportunity for, for young kids to, to learn the game and be a part of the game by being a caddy. But talk, you talk about, you know, learning so many things when you had the opportunity to be there as a young person. Talk about some of the things that, uh, that you were able to glean, you know, from that experience. I think if you look, I look back at like kind of, it was my, my first real job, right? And like I said, it's, it's a, a very high in, in private course. So there's a lot of, you know, influential people who are members there. And, you know, all of them are extremely easygoing people and they're all very friendly. But from a young age, you, you learn how to, um, you know, because I was working in the back shop, you learn how to start conversations with people if you're a little bit shy because they come off the golf course and, hello, Mr. and Mrs. Johnson, how is around today? And, and I think you, you have to come out of your shell a little bit. You, you learn, um, and especially being around golf, there's, there's so much etiquette in golf. I think that as, at a young age, I think that helps. You have the etiquette in golf, but it also in terms of, like, manners. You learn that there's, you know, yeah. certain, certain rules, like, not necessarily, I don't want to say rules, but there's certain ways to, to present yourself, right? And especially being in a place like that where, um, you know, you, you kind of always have to um, – I mean, any golf course, but especially being a young kid, you're really worried about being polite to everybody, and, and it's your first job, and you're nervous. And but then at the same time, because it's golf, you're you're around something that that everybody there is passionate, about, right? It's not um, you know you're not right. working in, in fast food, so it's it's quite an experience. And you know, I think it's a great a great spot for for young people to get involved and learn. And I agree with you. You know, caddy programs. I never worked in a caddy program, I, um, but I had some friends who did. Uh, a good friend of mine, uh, he was in the caddy program at Hamilton Golf and Country Club, and um, same thing up there. I think, uh, you know, I think there's ways that people can, uh, or courses or organizations can implement those programs again. I think it will go a long way. And also, you know, for people to help teach uh, young people about golf and get them interested in it. Yeah, no, I, I I couldn't agree with you more. I think it would go a long way to, you know, developing the game and, and uh, you know, um, we're always looking for ways to, you know, to introduce people to the game and that sort of thing. And that's what we've talked about several times on the show is, boy, it would be great if some of, you know, even if it was just, you know, the private courses that uh, would bring caddies back and, uh, you know, offer the, you know, offer young kids the opportunity to be a part of the game in that way. We're trying to grow the game everywhere. We, you know, we've seen play over the years decline a little bit. And uh, I think to me, a great day, a great way to do it would be to bring back caddy programs. We hope that uh, more and more con- uh, country clubs or just golf courses in general would, uh, would, uh, you know, do that. We could see that, that, you know, the young kids get the opportunity to go be caddies. Yeah. And, and I know one of the, one of the big things for us, cause I had one of my, my best friend was the one who got me the job at, at St. Andrews. His dad was involved in the golf industry. So, we were, we both worked there, and, and one of the big big things for us was that we could golf for free early in the morning during the week, right? Right, and that and yeah. and when you're you know when you're thirteen, fourteen, fifteen like that, and especially at a club like this where it's a very nice private club, um, at that age you're it, that that means a lot to you, right? So even little right. incentives like that, whether it's giving you know free range time or 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 you know doing clinics for the kids as a type of payment or, or giving them free rounds of golf, like those little things also I think go a long way. 
Yeah, no, that's that's a great point, Tom, because, you know, golf is, you know, isn't always uh, the, the cheapest sport to be involved with. But we see so many kids today that specialize in one sport or another, which is something we talk about. I do a football show called Thursday Night Tailgate, where we talk to a lot of the NFL alumni players about this very topic. But, you know, the the opportunity from a golf perspective you know, to get out there to your point, we hear so many kids, right? They're playing, they play baseball all the time. They're in travel baseball and, and soccer and all those sorts of things. Well, golf doesn't necessarily lend itself to that as much because of, you know, some of the expenses involved. And you make a great point. You know, if you could get up and, you know, you go caddy, you know, for, you know, however many rounds you get the opportunity to caddy for, and then you can go on the range. You could go play golf yourself or get up early. So, you, you know, you're involved in golf from, you know, sun up to sundown, particularly this time of year in the summer when kids are off school and that they could uh, really take advantage of that boy. Think about how well we could grow the game. I hope someone's listening and can help us take care of that. So, and I, I think from a, for the, sorry, one more thing on top. I think from a parent's perspective, I think my parents loved it too because it's easy to drop me off in the morning and then not come and see me till you know eight o'clock <laughs> at night when I'm done. I'm done working and done at the golf course. They don't have to shuttle me around all day when I don't have a driver's license. There you go. Another great point. So yeah, lots of great yeah. points being made for the caddy program. Thank you for that. So, Tom, take us through. How, how did you go from, you know, doing marketing in promotions for some for some ice hockey clubs to catching on with Echo Shoes? Yeah, I, uh, I, I worked in, like I said, my undergrad was in sports, so I kind of always, in the winter, I would work in hockey when I went to school, and then in the summer, I'd come back and I'd work in golf. Um, my, my family kind of work up, uh, grew up, I grew up with my family working in the golf industry as well, so I was always, always around the game. And... Um, yeah, so then when I uh, when I was finished my master's, um, my like I said, my mom was in the golf industry. So when I was done, she was actually working for Dunning Golf at the time, and so I got to get on board there and work uh, closely with Ralph Dunning, the the owner of that company, which was also a great experience. He's a very um, very good entrepreneurial mind, great with very great with uh, technology and clothing and fabrics and. Um, yeah, very, very smart man, very good visionary. And then from there, I, I managed, I had some kind of mutual connections. We had some mutual connections between Dunning and Echo and found out there was an opportunity there. So jumped over there and, and I worked closely with our, our national sales manager for golf in Canada. Um, him and I were, were friends from, from just from the golf industry and managed to uh, somehow managed to sneak my way over to our headquarters at Denmark where I got placed in our golf division over there. So you mentioned, you know, the the uh, the run-in with Lo- uh, Rory a few moments ago, but you, you know, you've had an opportunity to work with guys like you know Fred Couples and Ernie Els and Graham yep. McDowell. Talk about being around yeah. those guys. Yeah, they're all you know they're all fantastic, fantastic guys to work around. They're they're them as individuals and their teams are also they're great people. So I've you know I've personally had the chance to work with with Graham and, and Fred on a few occasions. Uh, I've never been with Ernie, but you know we've had some some contact with his agents and his, his business managers, and they're you know they're fantastic people. They are they're definitely pros when it comes to um, working with their sponsors and and trying to grow the game. Um, you know they're they're we've done some photo shoots and we've done some product testing and stuff with them, and they're always very honest with their feedback. And I think you know one of the things that makes that go a little bit different is when we sponsor players too. We also we're not telling them what shoes they have to wear, right? They get full, they get full pick of the collection. So it's not, we're not saying you have to wear white and black cage on Saturday and you have to wear white and blue biome hybrid two on Sunday. It's whatever they like. So I think they like that openness as well. And, and, and the fact our, our sponsorship manager, um, yes, who's, who's based out of Asia, Asia, he has, 
you know, great relationships with these guys. He's an ex-professional uh, player as well. So I think they, they you know, we us echo and the players, we appreciate the kind of laid-backness of our, of our relationship that we have. Yeah, and you know, as you talk about, you know, that you know they're not forced to wear a particular style or anything, and they're and they're honest with their feedback. Is can, you know, do they give you pluses and minuses? Like, boy, I really love this, and you know what, yeah, this one I don't like so much. And if you did this, uh, this or that, I think it would make it better. Do, do the do the product guys? Do you guys get involved with some of that feedback? And you know, hey, that is a great idea. We'll try that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because everybody. Um, everybody's golf swing is different, right? And so the shoes are going to also react differently depending on how on how people swing. You, you take two examples of our players. You have a guy like Ernie Al. He's, he's very tall. He has long arms. He, you know, the way he swings, he has a very, very big arc, so he can generate a lot of power. You look at a guy like Graham, who's a little bit more, who's a little bit shorter. Um, he's got a little bit more muscle on him. He moves his feet pretty quickly when he swings, right? So there's there's a lot of differences. You kind of have to take take a look at the guy's golf swing or the girl's golf swing and see how they're how they're moving their body. But in terms of you know aesthetics, like that that Graham is, is all Graham is very very good at giving us feedback on how a shoe looks. You know he's got his GMAC by Cartel, so he's he's very classically dressed. You know he dresses kind of like that um, old school classic British Irish golfer. So he's very good in terms of those details, and we've worked with him on some special editions. Um, and some stuff specifically for him that matches his clothing and that he likes. And, I mean, it's it's amazing how much, you know, the, they spend hours and hours hitting balls, and it's amazing how much, if you work with them on the driving range, if you change the thickness of an insole by a couple of millimeters, how much they can feel that affect their swing. Wow. So, you know, to, to all of those points, Tom, you know, you know, you talk about how everybody's, you know, body is different and we react differently and all those sorts of things in the course of our swings. Talk about, you know, Echo Shoes and what differentiates Echo from some of the other big name golf shoe companies? Yeah, there's, a, there's quite a few things. So I, to start with, the, the biggest one is we're, we're a family-owned company. So we do total as a company. Um, you know, we do men's dress shoes, women's high heels, we do casual shoes, um, and we're a, a very, very large shoe company. So golf is, is a portion of that, but it's all individually owned by one person. So it's a, a Danish company, and you can really feel that family-owned corporate culture. It doesn't matter. And not like I, I've worked at, at headquarters, I've worked in Canada, I've worked here for Echo, and it's always the same corporate culture no matter where you go, which is, as an employee, is fantastic. It's you know, it's easy to attract new employees to the company. You know, the turnover is also really low because people feel a sense of connection to the, you know, to the family, but also to the brand and the values of the brand. Another thing that's that's really unique about us is that we own the entire uh, value chain. So we're completely vertically integrated. We call it from cow to consumer. So when you start with making a shoe, the majority of our shoes, and I would say at this point kind of, 80-90% of our golf shoes are all leather uppers, which you don't see too much anymore. So we actually own all of our own leather tannery. So all of the leather that oh. you see in, in Echo shoes is coming from an Echo-owned leather tannery. And on top of that, we also um, we wholesale leather to, to other companies. So we're actually the, the I think it's the right now the fifth largest leather manufacturer in the entire world. Wow. So beyond beyond um, supplying leather for Echo Shoes, we also supply leather to a lot of other um, brands, other shoe brands, handbag brands, clothing brands, a lot of high-end uh, luxury brands as well. And then from there, after we have all the leather, 
Um, all of our shoes are made in, all of our, our golf shoes are made in our Echo-owned factories. So we have factories all over the world. We have factories in China, Thailand, Indonesia, Slovakia, Portugal, and we have a, a small one in Denmark as well for R&D. But all those factories are owned by Echo. So everybody's paycheck has Echo on it. Um, the machines and the, the processes are exactly the same. So if we make a shoe in Portugal or we make a shoe in Indonesia or Thailand, it's the exact same process and the exact same materials that are making that as well. Wow. So let's talk about some of the individual styles of golf shoes that you guys have, Tom. You know, first, the, the Echo Cage golf shoe has really captured my, my fancy. Talk about what the cage is and how it can help, uh, you know, stabilize us during our golf swing. Yeah, so we, the way we make all of our, all of our golf shoes, it's, we, it's a direct injection process. So what it is is that to, to kind of make it simple, there's no glue or cement. The shoe ends up being one piece. So the midsole is polyurethane, and that it, you have the upper that sits on the last of a shoe, which is where the leather is, and then the midsole and the outsole are all combined together. So if you cut that shoe in half, you'd actually see the leather going into the midsole. So it's, the easiest way to explain it is it's like a one-piece shoe with no, no cement or glue. So wow. where, we, where we inject the midsole, if you look at the cage, there's, a little, there's what looks like it's a cage up the back of the heel. So with a lot of golf shoes... Um, the tendency is you sit maybe a little bit higher on it. And some of the, the, the feedback and research we've done is that a lot of golf shoes, on, you tend to kind of roll off the front of the shoe a little bit, and you lose a little bit of the stability, especially through your follow-through. So that heel cage gives you a lot more stability in your backswing and your follow-through, especially as you're transitioning your weight. So you're not moving as much in the shoe. There's a little bit, the, the toe of the shoe comes up a little bit higher as well because sometimes if, if the toe of your shoe is, slightly soft or the material is a little too soft. One, it kind of wears down the material that's there, but two, it, uh, it can feel slightly uncomfortable on your follow-through if you're kind of feeling mm-hmm. your toe touching the ground. So we've added a little bit of substance there as well. And then the outsole, it's a champ slim lock system, so slim lock helps with a little bit of a smaller receptacle to reduce some of the weight. And then what we've done is the there's a different um, component of called TPU or thermal polyurethane on the outsole and it's just a little bit harder density, so it gives you a little bit more support support on the outsole. So let's talk about the uh, the biome and the biome hybrid shoes. You know, which you know they look absolutely fantastic, by the way. So what what are those you know those types of shoes designed for, and how do they differ from the Echo shoe? Yeah, so the biome was actually a, a concept that we came up with in our sport division when we came up with a running shoe. So what we had what we originally done we had scanned 2,500 runners' feet, and we came up with an anatomical last. So if you look at the, the Biome Hybrid uh, or the Biome G2 or Biome Hybrid 2 shoe, the, the, the shape of the shoe looks kind of funny can, if you look against a traditional shoe, but if you think about how your foot is shaped, it, it curves your foot a lot more. So the, it's an anatomical last, and you sit a little bit lower to the ground, so you have a little bit more of a natural movement. I, I don't want to say barefoot, but it's, it's more of a, a lower to the ground, how your foot would move if you didn't have shoes on, but you definitely do have a lot of support in the midsole and a lot of cushioning and a lot of arch support. It's just the so way what that the, the outsole is specifically designed. Yeah, so what are those shoes designed for? So the, the original Biome concept was actually a running shoe, but it was, it was so popular with us and, and the fit was so good that we adapted yeah. that into the golf shoes. So, you know, that is 
the Biome Hybrid 2 is actually it's our number one seller both for men's and women's. You have, you have the Biome technology in there, so you have a really good fit. Um, you're a little bit lower to the ground, so you have great, great walking comfort. It's also a little bit lighter weight as well. And then you have yak leather uppers. So we use a lot of different leathers because we own our own leather tanneries. We use cow leathers, we use camel leathers, and this one happens to be yak. So yak leather uh, is really, really breathable. Um, it is very, very strong as well, and it's really durable. And on top of that, it's extremely lightweight. Tom, did we lose you? Oh, no, I'm still here. Sorry, I'm not sure what happened. <laughs> yeah, neither am I. All right, it was great that we got you back. So we were talking about the, the you know, the Biome 2s and, and how those are, you know, specifically designed a little bit differently and a little bit lower to the ground. I think we lost you about yeah. midway through that. Yeah, so it's, they're, they're, uh, it's an anatomical upper. So you have a, you have, it hugs your foot a lot better. You have a really good fit on it. It's designed to be a little bit lower to the ground, so you reduce weight. We still have great comfort and great arch support in the shoe. You have our EDTS outsole, which was the first hybrid outsole that we did, so they're great to transition from the golf course to off the golf course. And then on top of that, you have yak, a yak leather upper. So like we own all of our own leather tanneries, so we do cow leather, we do camel leather, and this one happens to be yak, and yak leather is very, very strong. It's very lightweight. It's very breathable. So you have a lot of technology in one shoe, and the Biome Hybrid 2 um, is, our, is the best seller for men's and women's. And then you've got sort of another offshoot from there, right? The Speed Hybrid. How are those different? Yeah, the Speed. Uh, the Speed is is a really good shoe. It's um it's a a, a trendy shoe, right? So that one is designed uh, because we're a footwear company, right? We follow. We can we can we can borrow ideas from different departments, right? Which is great because we can also borrow different design ideas. So if you look at our collection, we have everything from a very classic shoe to a very sporty and performance shoe. And that's because we are we're a shoemaking company. So this was actually an idea that was born out of one of our casual divisions. But the Speed Hybrid, uh, if you look at what it's selling in terms of casual shoes, retro sneakers are probably the biggest trend right now. And you can go out and you can see lots of people walking around in tons of different brands with retro sneakers. So this is designed to be a retro sneaker. So this is actually a combination of camel leather. So you have uh, a leather that has a lot more, there's a lot more distinction to it. There's a lot more depth to the leather. It looks a little bit different. And then you also have some breathable textile in there. So it's a perfect summer shoe. And this is one that, you know, you can easily wear off the course with a pair of jeans. But then again, you have that EDTS outsole, so you still get great performance on the golf course. I'm talking with Tom Dixon, the North American product manager for golf and sports shoes for Echo. Uh, and, uh, Tom, just a couple of more before we let you go. As I was doing some of the research and we were, you know, communicating, you know, prior to the show, back in 2010, you guys did a commemorative edition shoe to celebrate Fred Couples' Masters victory that uh, I read you guys made 1,992 pairs of in recognition of the year that he won in 1992. So I imagine demand picked up after Freddie shot a 66 in the first round that year and ended up finishing uh, sixth at the Masters. Yeah, so in in 2010 was a was a really big year for us because that was the um, that was the first time that people really saw a hybrid shoe in in competition. We had released a shoe actually a, a year or two before, and people kind of looked at it and they're like, "What's you know, no golf shoes are supposed to have spikes? We've never seen this before." And if you look, you know, previously to 2010, you could probably say 95 percent of the golf shoes sold all had spikes. So Freddie came out and he wasn't wearing socks, and he was wearing our first. Gulf Street, which was the first uh, shoe we did a hybrid outsole in. 
And I believe the announcers, and, and don't quote me, but I believe the announcers, uh, his quote was, uh, Fred is out here in tennis shoes and he's not wearing any socks. And I think that was some of, the, that was some of what was put in print as well. So, and he, he shot a 66 uh, wearing hybrids, no socks. And a lot of the things that, um, he people were asking about them after, and he said, well, he, he got great comfort from them. So our, our demand after that for that shoe just um, skyrocketed and blew up, and that was kind of a, a big, big step for us and also a big step for the golf footwear industry. Like I said, previously to 2008, probably 90, 95% of shoes sold that were all spikes, and if you look today, it's about 50-50 of spikes and hybrids. Mm-hmm. And that was only you know six years ago. So, so what's next, Tom? What's next for Echo Golf Shoes? Any new technology that we can uh, look forward to seeing? Yeah, so we, we just launched an update of the cage. So the cage now, we've, we've put a textile upper on it with the uh, polyurethane webbing. So what we've done is textile uh, tends to lose its shape and get loose a little bit. So we've put this uh, a cage webbing on top, which is a PU, so it really holds the shape of the shoe and the fit. And then you have a really nice breathable textile, and we've done it in some great sporty colors. So it's a very performance, very fast-looking shoe. Then you still have all the cage technology with the uh, the PU heel cage to give you a little bit of extra stability. And then next year for 2017, we do we have some new, really, really good stuff coming out. Uh, you'll see a little bit of it. Um, January is kind of when it launches. We Around the PGA show in Orlando, we're going to have a, a big launch there as well. So we're, we're working with a, a couple of really, really big technologies. We're going to uh, do a little bit to innovate in the hybrid section as well. So we have uh, some really good stuff coming next year. I'm uh, I'm excited that we have so many new products. Yeah, no, it sounds great. So, Tom, how how can our listeners follow you and follow Echo both online and over social media so we can stay up to date with all the great new things you guys are doing? Yeah, so our uh, our Instagram account is at uh, Echo Golf. Uh, the uh, our Twitter is echo underscore golf dot com, and then we also have uh, Echo Golf uh, Facebook page as well. So you can follow along there. There you can get updates on our product information. You can get updates on our players, updates on launches, and any contests and stuff we're doing. So those are the the three best places that you can find Echo Golf. Ah, fantastic, Tom. Thank you so much for taking time out of your morning to be a part of the show. It was great having you here. Very excited about Echo Shoes. And for folks that you know aren't as familiar, Echo is E-C-C-O. So E-C-C-O.com, Echo.com is where you can find out all the information. Tom, again, thank you for being here. I hope you'll come Thanks back very much for having again me, Chris. sometime and, uh, and be a part of the show. It was great having you here. Absolutely. Appreciate the time. Thanks very much again. All right. Take care, Tom. Enjoy your weekend. You do the same. Bye. That was Tom Dixon, and Tom, again, is the uh, North American product manager for golf and sports shoes for Echo Golf. And, again, ECCO.com. Great stuff. they got a lot of great shoes. Very stylish. And, uh, like I say, that uh, Echo, Echo uh, Cage shoe has certainly captured my imagination. We're going to hopefully get the opportunity to try those things out. So thanks again to Tom Dixon for being a part of the show this morning. Before I get to my next guest, Scott Felix, who's hanging on the line, I want to give a shout-out to our friends over at the World Golf Village, located in historic St. Augustine, Florida, just south of Jacksonville. World Golf Village is the ultimate golf vacation destination and a true paradise for fans of the game. The Village, as it's often referred to by the locals, is the home of the World Golf Hall of Fame as well, where the world's greatest players and contributors are honored and recognized. They have got 70,000 square feet of displays, trophies, personal memorabilia, all that great stuff you get to see when you go there. The World Golf 
Golf Village boasts two championship golf courses, including the King and the Bear, co-designed by Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicklaus, and the Sam Snead and Gene Sarazen masterpiece, the Slammer and the Squire. Golfing, you know, golfers can look forward to, you know, tuning up a game. You get there and you say, you know what, I need a little tweak before I get out. Well, they've got a, a great golf school there at the PGA Tour Golf Academy, featuring the latest in learning technology and world-class instructors as well. Luxurious wait, you know, stay away to you there. You got the Renaissance Resort at the World Golf Village, offering an array of amenities, including some great dining options and premier services. So no matter the time of year or the length of your visit, folks, World Golf Village is sure to deliver an unmatched experience with family and friends, and you're going to make memories that are going to last you a lifetime. For more information, go to worldgolfvillage.com or give them a call, 1-800-948-4653. All right, now joining me on the French Lick Resort guest line is uh, Scott Felix. This is his third appearance with me on the show, you know, Scott is a top 100 club fitter. And let me remind you a little bit more about his background. You know, he, you know, nearly 20 years experience now doing club fitting and repair. He's been working with guys like Lauren Roberts, Casey Wittenberg, and, you know, our good friend, Sean McKeel, who's regularly joins us on the show. Scott has been named American, one of America's top 100 club fitters by Golf Digest for several years now. And, you know, and you, you should know that, the, you know, when you're going out to buy a set of golf clubs, you really need to go see Scott first because he's going to help you, you know, play way better than you ever thought you previously could. And that's even if you don't change your golf swing, Scott can do wonders for you. And I'm very excited that he is back again and next on the tee with me this morning. Hey, Scott, thanks for coming back on the show. How's it going? How are you doing? I'm doing really well, thank you. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, just trying to stay as cool, trying to stay as, cool as I can over here. Super hot in Memphis right now. No doubt. I spent several years living over in Memphis, and goodness knows, you guys, you know, not only, you, you know, it's unbelievable. You get the hot and the humidity. It's got to feel like it's well over 100 degrees over there. Oh, every day with this humidity, it's crazy how hot it is. Uh, I think it's going to get to 100 by the end of next week for three days in a row. Oh, my. Just temperature, not humidity. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good, you know, stay hydrated, my friend. Lots of Gatorade. Absolutely. So, Scott, I wanted to start out our time this morning by sort of, you know, kind of working our way down the golf club and getting your thoughts on things that, you know, we need to know to either make sure that we have the right equipment or if we need to, you know, gather up our golf clubs and make some changes. So, let's, you know, starting at the top with the grips, there are so many different styles of grips now and there's you know you got different thicknesses you got different lengths beyond the idea of just you know what feels comfortable to us what should we consider when it's time to regrip our clubs the main thing you need to consider is to make sure that you get the right grip size that actually fits your hands and the way your palm and fingers the measurements of those two are are key making sure that you're able to hold on to the golf club without squeezing it too hard which could hinder you releasing the golf club correctly uh, but at the same time, you don't want to get a grip that's too big for you. That will hinder you from releasing the golf club correctly as well. So making sure that you're measured correctly, uh, trying and testing a few things and seeing which one feels the best to you, um, those are the main things that you need to look for in grips. Um, you know, they have so many different options now, whether they're cord, uh, a lot of the new Golf Pride grips with a CP2 line uh, that feels a little softer, uh, textures, um, these multi-compounds that they're incorporating in these uh, new golf grips nowadays. It's just really personal preference. And once you kind of get fit for the right size, making sure you have the wrap, right wraps underneath, 
so it'll actually fit your hand correctly. It'll help you hold on the golf club uh, more consistently and release the golf club and hold it without too much tension, hopefully. So, Scott, how frequently should we, should we be getting our clubs regripped, and is there something that we should actually be doing between rounds to take care of our grips? Uh, one of the main things, um, you can prolong the life of your grips for sure by wiping them down. You know, you can use a little soap and water, run them under the faucet, you know, take a little terry cloth towel and just really scrub them down. That will really prolong. What really, really um, makes golf grips, you know, go bad is the oil and you know out of your skin that gets in the pores and kind of tends to make them hard and slick if you were able to clean that off you can actually really make the life of the grips longer uh, a good rule of thumb if you look on golf prize website uh, they say 40 rounds or at least once a year so um, by keeping them clean keeping them inside not even in the garage you know the humidity and moisture and stuff out there will really kind of take its toll on a grip for sure. So let's talk about golf shafts. When, 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 when you're fitting someone, first of all, you know, what are you, what are you looking to, you know, looking at to decide if, you know, they should be using steel or graphite shafts and then, you know, take us through the idea of, you know, which, which shaft is best for us, whether that's a regular, a stiff, an extra stiff or, or even a senior flex. And, you know, the main things that I look for, you know, opting someone into graphite over steel is the strength of the player. You know, um, do I need to help them create a little bit more speed, <clears throat> um, stamina? Are they the type of person that might get tired around 12 or 13 and um, start kind of slowing down a little bit? Um, tempo is another thing that I look at, low tendencies. Um if they have a quicker tempo or slower tempo, smoother tempo, you know, it'll help guide me in the right direction, whether they need something heavier, firmer, softer. Uh, but the main main reason why I would put somebody into graphite is if they had any kind of joint problems, it kind of cuts down on the vibration in their hands, uh, the shock after impact. So uh, that can be a little uh, dampening uh, attribute for that. And also just helping the person create a little bit more speed. That would be the other thing. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about you know the you know the you know the, the the flex, if you will. So how do you what what is the way for us to determine? Do I need a regular flex shaft? Do I need a stiff shaft? Do I need an extra stiff shaft? If I'm maybe I'm a little older, I need something a little lighter. You know the senior flex. You know the what speed speed really di- dictates flex. Speed and tempo, you know, you can break it down in 10-mile-per-hour increments. You know, 95 to 105 could be a stiff. 105 up could be an X. 85 to 95 could be regular. You know, 75 to 85 could be a senior flex or a light flex. Um, But depending on the person's tempo, you can always error a little firmer if they have a quicker transition, um, tend to swing a little faster, a little harder. Uh, their tempo's a little rushed. You can always firm up the tip by soft or soft or hard stepping the golf club to help stay with them. Um, and then the other when it goes to light flex is really just speed, trying to create some overall, you know, speed with the golf club so they can hit the ball further. You know, when you start looking at we're slowing down, and at the end of the day, nobody wants to hit the ball shorter. So how can they? 
start losing a little speed and we can give them something lightweight overall to create a little bit more speed where they didn't have it before and hit the ball a little bit further or almost as far as they're used to hitting it. So now let's go down to, you know, the face of the golf clubs. Help us understand what's the right style of iron, if you will, for us. You know, when we talk about, you know, blades, cavity back, offset, how do we know what the best type of club face is going to be best for us to use? You know, that's a little bit of personal preference. You know, everybody wants to see something a certain way. And if I can give them the look with the uh, playability that they need, that's that's the trick. Um, some people like things that are traditional, but really need something a little bit more forgiving. So how how can you find something um, that still looks pretty traditional, but lets them get the things that they need, whether it's a launching the ball in the air a little bit. Um, but I think most of it's shapes and how it visually sees, you know, that person sees it with their eyes. Um, there's a lot of really, really good golf clubs out nowadays um, that have very traditional shapes that are really, really super forgiving. Uh, and they're not always having to be shovels uh, that you put in somebody's <laughs> hands. But, um, you know, before that was it. You played something traditional that was harder to hit, uh, less forgiving, or, you know, you pretty much played um, a pretty oversized golf club. But now they've, they've made a lot of these mid-range style golf clubs. You know, the Ping IE irons, great. Um, you're looking at Tiles AP2. The Callaway Apex irons, uh, tailor-made PSI, the um, M2 Tour iron has been really, really hot. And the PXG looks really, really good with very, very traditional, looks like a blade from the back, but doesn't perform like a blade. It's super forgiving. You know, one of the models, the other one's a little bit more, less offset, a little smaller bottom on it, but still super forgiving. It has a great feel to it as well. Yeah, you mentioned the PXG, and I want to get to the PXG golf clubs here in just a minute, Scott. But you, you alluded to something a moment ago, and we talk an awful lot on this show, Scott, about the mental side of the game of golf and 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 the look that a you know a golf club has, right? And particularly on the I think from a, from an irons perspective, as we look down. There's a great deal to it, right? Just the, you know, the look of the golf club, because if we don't like how it, you know, it looks to our eye, it plays to, you know, the confidence that we have in it. It might be a great golf club, but if, you know, if we don't look at it and it doesn't inspire confidence in us just, just on how it appears to us, that makes a, you know, a great deal of difference, doesn't it? Absolutely. Everybody sees things differently from person to person. And you can give them four or five golf clubs that are, almost identical in characteristics, but slightly look different. One's going to appeal to them. One's going to free them up a little bit more mentally. And you give them something that, you know, might be perfect, but they don't like the way it looks. They're going to swing it based on how their eye sees it, and they might not get the best results on it. We are talking to uh, top 100 club fitter Scott Felix here on Next on the Tee. And, Scott, you know, you mentioned PXG. They're one of the, the, the newer companies, you know, out there making golf clubs, and it's PXG is Parsons Extreme Golf, founded by Bob Parsons, who uh, also founded GoDaddy.com. And for our listeners here on the Armed Forces Radio Network, Bob Parsons is a, is a Vietnam veteran from the 26th Marine Regiment who earned a combat action ribbon, Vietnam gallantry cross, and a Purple Heart. And now his company, 
PXG is making some really interesting golf equipment that you'll see players like Zach Johnson and Charles Schwartzel and Billy Horschel, you know, Chris Kirk, Rocco Mediate, Christy Kerr on the LPGA Tour. They're all using PXG golf clubs. So talk about what you've seen from PXG, uh, you know, golf club, Scott, and how do you feel, you know, they perform? They've performed great. Um, you know, at first having a newcomer uh, coming into the golf industry, uh, you're always skeptical, you know, what kind of angle are they, are they trying to get in? You know, they got to have their own little niche. And and uh, he, he's done a great job making an iron. It's probably one of the softest irons I've ever bent or moved. Uh, the material they use is phenomenal. Uh, that injection molding, that injection um, polymer that they put inside the golf club gives it a great, great feel when people hit it. It feels real lively. It comes off the club. And, uh when I put it in people's hands, they're just kind of shocked how easy it was to hit and how far it goes. Those are the biggest things that I see with people. Um, but it goes back again to giving people the right combination of having so many different shaft options. I think I have right at 50-something different shaft options from Recoil to the new Project X wow. LZ, every one of the KB Tour shafts, uh, Project X, Dynamic Gold AMT, um, I've just got a ton and ton of different shafts that you can put right in your hands and verify and see the different numbers right there. That's the key. So, Scott, just a couple more before we let you go. And we talked about grips earlier on, but we're seeing lots of new styles of putter grips coming out on the market. Superstroke has been out there now for a few years. Lampkin has a square putter grip. Flat Cat is a newer putter grip that uh, if you listen to golf on the radio, Hank Haney is doing a lot of advertising for those folks. Have you seen any of those grips, you know, make a marked improvement on how we're able to square the golf or the, you know, the putter face and uh, actually go about making more putts? I think the biggest thing that the oversized grips has helped players with is taking your hands out of it. Um, A lot of people don't know how to release the club head or the putter head properly and they tend to flick the bottom of the putter, uh, which turns into yips and chipping the ball and things like that. But having a bigger grip or something a little larger down on the lower hand helps kind of take those hands out. And you're starting to see some of these uh, larger grips now. You can order them, and they have the counterbalance weights already in the back, which helps calm your hands down, quiet your hands uh, a lot through the putting stroke and keep that putter head and the handle kind of going at the same speed. You never really want one to outrace the other. You know, it's more of a stroke, and you're never trying to hit a putt. Scott, just one more before we let you go. And, you know, as we look at our golf clubs and, you know, how often we play, you know, talk, you've talked about how often we should be replacing our golf grips, but how often should we, should we be replacing our clubs, you know, particularly from the iron perspective, you know, and it's not just, you know, talking about, you know, getting the latest and greatest technology, you know, that, that being aside, but, you know, how often should we replace them because we're wearing down the grooves and we're really not getting optimal performance from our clubs anymore? You know, person to person, it just really differs. Um, I don't think there's really any set time. You just need to monitor uh, the wear on the face and watch the grooves, uh, how much you practice with one particular club over another. The main thing that ruins golf clubs is uh, when people are out practicing, they tend to roll the balls or fish them back to themselves and roll it through the sand, and every time they hit a golf ball, they have sand between the ball and the face, and that will wear out your face and the grooves pretty fast. Uh, But just monitoring, 
how much you practice with a particular club. Try to fish the golf ball around the, behind the divot so you're not rolling it through sand, you're not scarring the face and things like that. So there's a lot of different things that people can do to monitor and, and prolong their equipment. But uh, it really, the biggest thing is just having people coming in and making sure that their line angles are right, making sure their grip size is right, that their the length is uh, correct for them, that they're set up in the most athletic posture to make the most repeatable golf swing based on what they do. Um, those are the main things um, for for irons. And also, I had another guy the other day that I fit, and uh, he sent me a really nice email last night. Um, he said he was a 16 handicapper, and he goes, uh, you know, my buddy keeps telling me to come over here and get fit. He goes, I'm probably not going to see much difference. And when he left an hour and a half later, he was so happy that he did it, and he couldn't believe that it took 25 years to actually come in and get fit for his first set of irons. He's just been playing stuff off the shelf. And it's true that those type of players, those are the ones that are not good enough not to get fit, and those are the ones that are going to see the biggest margin of result over anybody else that comes in that's a single-digit handicap. Yeah, that's one of the the first thing you taught me when uh, when we, you and I first started communicating, and I think it bears repeating for our listeners, right? Getting club fit, you know, fit properly fit for your clubs isn't just for pros, right? You know, the, the amount that a guy that's, you know, a pro or near-scratch golfer, the amount of improvement that he or she is going to see is probably not as much as the guy who is a, you know, 15, 20, 30 handicap you know, that person is probably going to see a much larger impact from properly being fit, right? Not even just talking about changing their golf swing, but if, if everything remained equal, that person is probably going to see a much greater impact from being properly fit, right? Absolutely. And and that's something that we need to try to really keep uh, helping to understand, you know, higher handicapped golfers trying to get it in their brain that, you know, if they came in and really got fit by a great fitter, they'll see improvements. They'll start seeing ball flight more consistent. They'll start seeing they're not slicing the ball as much or they're not overhooking the golf ball or when they were chunking chips, now they're, you know, able to get away with some of the miss hits and still have an opportunity to get up and down for par, saving a lot of shots here and there that'll make up five and six, seven shots around, which is huge for a 16 handicapper. Mm-hmm. Scott, remind our listeners how they can follow you both online and over social media as well. You can follow me on Facebook at FelixClubWorks.com or my website, FelixClubWorks.com, and look at all the latest, greatest stuff that I have in there. Um, That's the easiest way to find me. Scott, thank you so much for joining me again today. Your knowledge of club fitting and the swing, absolutely amazing. I learn something every single time that uh, I get the privilege of having you on the show. I hope you'll come back again soon and, and share more of your insights with us. Like I say, always a lot of fun having you as part of the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care, Scott. All the best to you and your family, my friend. You too. Have a great weekend, Chris. Thanks, Scott. Again, that is Scott Felix, top 100 club fitter, named almost every year by uh, Golf Digest. Great stuff, a lot of knowledge, and uh, certainly very helpful for us uh, picking out, uh, you know, the right golf clubs, whether it's, you know, the shaft, the grip, the the, the face itself, and, uh, you know, the brand that's going to work best for us. And if you're over in the Memphis area, look Scott up and uh, give him a try. He's going to really help you improve your game by leaps and bounds. All right, we've got our next guest, Rick Roundsville, hanging on the line. We're going to get to Rick on the other side of these words from our friends over at the Bobby Jones Company. Raise your game to new heights and performance with a brand that's been known for style, character, 
and excellence for the last 25 years. The Bobby Jones Company. We have an inspired collection of products that capitalize on fabric technology to deliver a modern look and performance while honoring the legacy of Bobby Jones. And while we deliver on the promise of enduring style, we also work hard to earn your respect, your trust, your business, and just as important, your long-term friendship. Communicate that you're here to stay by wearing clothes from a brand that has enduring style and presence. The Bobby Jones Company. Check out all of our great styles by going to bobbyjones.com. You're listening to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro. Heard around the world on the Armed Forces Radio Network. And now joining me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Rick Roundsville. Let me give you some background on Rick. He started out as an assistant golf pro at Lancaster Country Club, which was the site of last year's Women's U.S. Open. He then moved across the state lines over to Canton, Ohio, and became the head golf pro at Brookside Country Club. He then did a, uh, a, a year stint as an instructor at Chef Dick Pace Golf, uh, golf Course and uh, Golf School, I should say, down in Vero Beach, Florida. Since 1997, he's been the director of golf at Bully Rock Golf Course up in Maryland. Bully Rock has you know, been named one of the, the best golf courses anywhere in the country, ranked as, uh, consistently in the top 100 golf courses that you can play by Golf Magazine and the best golf course in the state of Maryland. Rick was recognized as the uh, Middle Atlantic Merchandiser of the Year for Public Golf Courses in 2001. Golf Magazine has also named him one of the top teachers of the game and one of the tops in the state of Maryland, and I'm very excited to have Rick next on the tee with me this morning. Good morning, Rick. Thanks for coming on the show. Good morning, Chris. Great to be here. So, Rick, as I look back over the golf courses that you've been associated with uh, over the course of your career, very impressive. Some of the oldest and most prestigious golf courses in the country. I want to go back to your time at Lancaster Country Club. Like I said in the intro, it was the site of you know last year's Women's U.S. Open, and they're uh, also trying to get the 2021 Solheim Cup there. You know they set an attendance record last year there for the for the Women's Open, uh, over 135,000 people. Turned out to watch that event, and it's, uh, like I say, very historic. It goes back to the year 1900. How, you know, so curious, how, first, how, how'd you get, uh, you know, how'd you catch on there, and what was it like being <laughs> such a, a part of a great golf course? Oh, Chris, I was, I was very lucky. I, you know, started caddy, and that's how I got into golf. And in high school, and played high school golf, went to college, uh, and then I started at a kind of a, a club called Oak Hill in Milford, New Jersey. It was a, kind of a work, almost a working man's golf course, small private club that a Regal Paper Company had started. They had a bunch of mills in that area, and then the membership took it over when the paper company got in trouble. And, uh, you know, most people like my father who worked in the post office and some of his friends that worked in uh, Ingersoll Rand. And, you know, a lot of guys with small businesses and stuff. So I, I got a got an introduction there, got a good start, and worked two and a half years there. And then one of the salesmen that called on us uh, <clears throat> knew that uh, there was a assistance position in Lancaster uh, opening up, and uh, he recommended me for the job. So kind of went out and got interviewed. I started, I was at the second assistant when I started there, and uh, there were two really good golf pros, uh, Bob Bourne, who had just come off the tour, that was the first assistant, and there was another one, uh, Dave Collingwood, who lived in Lancaster, that worked at Lancaster Country Club. They had both worked for John Abernathy there, who 
who hired me, <clears throat> and uh, they spent a lot of time with me, really helped me. I really learned to play when I went out there, and it was it was just such a great club. It was When I got there, there was a 10-year waiting list to get in. Wow. The membership was, was phenomenal. <clears throat> My wife actually ended up working in the golf shop with us, and uh, the membership kind of treated us like family. It was a it was really great. There was a, there were so many, you know, great people there. I made, you know, made a lot of contacts and everything else and went from there to, uh, you know, again, that was through contacts of some people that had come to Lancaster and, uh, I went, it was actually Brookside and Allentown PA. So 11 years there. And then I started, went out, taught full time. And, uh, that's when I was teaching, taught in the winters with, uh, Ted Sheftick, who was a top 100 teacher. And, uh, Roy Pace, they had a golf school in Florida every year, so they kind of worked with them. And then uh, some of the people from, a couple people from Lancaster were involved in opening up Bully Rock. And uh, so they they came and got me. And, uh, you know, when they said it was going to be Pete Dye and they wanted to make it the one of the best courses on the East Coast, it, uh, I knew it was going to be good. And uh, so I came down and opened it up and started a Got, I actually got hired over a year ahead of time, and uh, it's really <laughs> one of the job I really never even applied for. So uh, I was very fortunate. I had a, fortunately, I had a good reputation as a club pro and uh, and uh, everything. So and then uh, you know, came down here, and when I was at Brookside, I got the opportunity to, to go through and they built a brand new clubhouse and went through all that there at, at Brookside, and then. You don't get the opportunity to uh, to to come down and open up a golf course uh, very often. And my, my our, our original owner said, you know, he said, I don't care what you do, do it the right way. So it was, uh, you know, it was fun to do that, fun to get this thing open and you know, kind of you know, get your vision and the owner's vision of what you what you have, you know, what you wanted and uh, to put it into into operation. So uh, you know, 19 years later, here I am, still here. Right, and you know, to to your point, you you were there before before there was you know a bully rock, if, if you will, before it actually opened up, and it's a it's a wonderful Pete Dye layout. Talk about you know what it was like, you know, kind of watching the golf course take shape, and and what people can expect when they tee it up at Bully Rock. Um, you know, when I when I first came down, uh, there were they had just uh, just sodded three of the holes the back nine had been cleared and was rough and just even at that point just walking the walking the golf course you knew it was going to be good pete pete did such a such a wonderful job here it's uh you know maybe i uh, if i could say mates it might be a little bit different pete Dye golf course but it was built it was built to hold a major uh you know there's a lot of uh you know mounds and things around the greens and you know to, that can handle handle crowds very easily and um uh you know we originally it was going to be a 36 hole resort conference center and spa and just never got to that point and changed ownership uh, halfway through but uh you know everything the this golf course integrity has been maintained and uh it's just 18 it's 18 wonderful holes <clears throat> every hole goes in a different direction no hole looks the same there's a great mix of Long holes, short holes. Uh, we, we've got five different sets of tees for people to play. If you play the right tees, you can have a great time here. There's really no forced carries, but he just every hole is kind of screened in an, in an entity of, it, of its own. It's just, uh, you know, from my standpoint, professionally, as good as anything I've played anywhere I've been. It's just, uh, it's just a really neat place. And the original, 
original goal or vision of the owner was to build the world-class golf course that anybody could come and play. And, uh, you know, that's what he set out to do. And it's like he said, you know, a lot of people say they're going to do that, but not many people accomplish it, accomplish it but but he truly did. So, uh, and it's, you know, we've got a wonderful staff here, very good superintendent, great green staff. And they, uh, you know, they take a lot of pride in what they do. And we, you know, the goal, the goal here is tournament conditions every day. And they've, we've been able to maintain that. We just had the state open here this past week, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, the golf course is in great shape. And, uh, it's just a, just a really neat golf course, uh, to come and play. And, and Rick, you talked about you know being there, watching you know the first three holes being sodded, and and you know walking the golf course. Did you get an opportunity to, to either walk the golf course, you know, walk the layout with Pete Dye, or sit and you know kind of hear his vision as the uh, course was taking shape? Yeah, we did. We had uh, you know, I mean, not really, not too much. I, I really didn't see him much when they were when they were building, but. Uh, uh, you know, we've gotten very, we've gotten to be very good, very close. And because he was coming in, we had started the second golf course, and he had come in. He was, he, had, he was coming in at that point in time to, to, to do the second golf course. And uh, you know, just uh, he's just such a magnificent guy. And just to sit down and listen to him talk about the golf courses he built and and everything else. And uh, you know, I mean, he he just he built the golf course to. You know, to take the driver out of good players' hands at some point, and uh, you know, make them make them work when the driver was in their hands at some point. So uh, that's why I think the you know the the uh, mix of long and short holes is uh, is really terrific. And he did a lot of the the green shaping himself, basically on the on a you know on a uh, on a sand pro, basically doing the contours and shaping the greens and. Uh, uh, so there's just a, there's a lot of subtleties in the greens, and uh, it's just uh, he, he, and he makes you think. He, he's he's very good at drawing your eye to where you really don't want your eye to go, and gets you to hit it in a direction you really don't want to hit it. So, uh, but uh, and like I said, if you you know, it's a fair golf course if you play to play the right set of tees, and uh, you can you can have a good time, and uh, you can you know with the mix you can you, you can put some scores on it and make some birdies out here so rick take us through the golf course a little bit like you say you know as i looked at it online it looks very fair you know particularly in, in every golf course this right you keep the ball straight and then you keep it in the fairway keep it in play <laughs> you know you're going to be fine but particularly at bully rock you mentioned there's you know not a lot of force carries not a lot of trouble in front of the greens, but if the ball starts to go sideways, you could be in for a rough time. If you go sideways, uh, there's a you know there's a lot of fescue. Uh, you know, once you get off the fairways and out of the first and second secondary rough, there's a lot of fescue, and if it's in there, it, uh, a lot of times it, it, you don't you don't find it. So, uh, uh, but you know, I think both the the starting the start on the both nines is kind of very similar he's he, what which he does i think he does on a lot of golf courses he's kind of starts you out on the opening hole with a, usually kind of a mid-length par four and uh you know to get you on the field and and then stand on the second tee is where he kind of hits you in the face that uh, uh you know it's uh number one there's the, the beauty of the golf course and number two that you're you know that you're going to be in for a special treat number two is a is a par five. It's an elevated par five, and um, the tee's up. And you drive it down into a little recessed fairway, and there's a stream that runs down the right side, and the left side 
woods and little stream comes up pretty quick, so you got to put a premium on hitting it in the fairway on that hole. And about a hundred yards out out of the green, that stream runs across straight across the fairway, so it's uh, you know lay up or try and hit it over, kind of risk reward. The green is the green goes back and is elevated, and uh, so I think you know in my mind that's when you know that you're uh, that you're in for in to play a really good golf course. Mm-hmm. And and Rick, you know, talking one of the holes that really caught me was was the ninth hole. It's a, you know dogleg right. There's there's some water and some bunkers off the tee along the right side. And you mentioned a moment ago, Pete. You know, trying to get you to do some things you probably shouldn't be trying to do. And it looks like you could you could drive over the water. It's a narrow landing area if you make that choice. And the green looks you know very narrow from that angle if you try to approach it that way. But it seems like you know Pete might be trying to trick you. And to thinking, yep. you know what, go this way when perhaps, you know, <laughs> staying to the left and playing it differently is is probably the better play for you. Take us through that hole. Um, <clears throat> nine is one of the, you know, not that there's, you know, there's there's a number of signature holes out here, but nine is a, visually is a, is on the tee is a spectacular hole. As you said, there's a, there's a lake on the right side. There's a uh, fairway kind of goes, it's a sweeping dog leg right fairway. And you can there is, there is a fairway that's over over the creek, and uh, that's you know I think your eye immediately goes there and to take the shortcut over. But as you said, the green is very narrow, so you can go that way. But you don't have a lot of green. You've probably got about ten ten yards uh, on that green that you got you can put the ball in to keep it on the green from that standpoint. And you have to fly it over to over the bu- bunkers on the right side to begin with. Uh, the the the, uh, the play is to hit it hit it up. Uh, uh, up into the fairway, there's uh, as that th- as that fairway makes its turn, uh, there's two there's a three or four bunkers on the right side of that fairway, and the the the, the, the shot is to hit it over top of those bunkers out into the middle of that fairway, and then you're looking straight in, and and you've got a shot into the into the full green. So it's really the way to play, but that's again that's a you know uh, you know I think a Pete's trait that he'll take try and take you somewhere where you really don't want to go. And you mentioned the golf course is really built to host a major, and, and you guys were the host site for a few years for the LPGA Championship. Talk about you know talk about hosting you know an event like that, and uh, some of the golf events that uh, some of maybe other golf events you guys have had the opportunity to host as well. Well, they, obviously the uh, the LPGA was the was the biggest event that we've had. We uh, you know this this year was the second year that we've had the the Maryland's Men's State Open, uh, the Ladies State Open has been here. Uh, was here early on for about the second year that we opened. We had the Lady State Open, and they're they're now scheduled to come back um, in 2018. So, uh, so those are you know from that standpoint are are, are you know big big golf events. But uh, you know we've had a couple of our own uh, our, our own pro ams. Uh, the the PGA Maryland uh, Mid Atlantic PGA has an you know has events here from time to time. We've had the pro. Pro Scratch and uh, you know a couple other things that the that the section has. So uh, the you know the golf course has always held its own. You know we have numerous you know outings, corporate outings and uh, and uh, charity outings. Uh, you know it's a couple couple really big cha- charity outings here. One for uh, Ronald McDonald House. Uh, uh, the Rip- Ripkins uh, uh, have a big. Uh, Tournament here for the Cal Ripken Foundation, which raises money for the to build the ball fields in all the uh, inner cities. So, 
uh, you know, enormous, countless other other charities. I, you know, I think I think one of the things that we specialize in here is running uh, running those kind of events uh, <clears throat> on a you know on a day to day basis. And obviously, with we're being public, we can we can take those on different days of the week where maybe a lot of private clubs can't. So uh, mm-hmm. you know, so I think we've got some advantages here to. Uh, and it seems like most of the time when when groups bring their outings here, the numbers of uh, participants go up. So it, uh, you know, I think that's a tribute to the golf course that people want to play, and obviously that helps helps the events raise more money. So, um, mm-hmm. great spot to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And and Rick, you know, our show goes out over the Armed Forces Radio Network, and Bully Rock, uh, I believe, is just down the road from a military base, right? Right, we have uh, the Aberdeen Proving Grounds is is right down the road. You know, four, four miles down is the the gate to go into the Proving Grounds. So, um, uh, you know, we we have some different things from the from the military standpoint. We have some military discounts for the you know the military the active military people that are here stationed on base. Uh, we have uh, one of the things we have here for is a uh, four different frequent player packages that people can that can purchase to to play here to play if they want to come and play golf a couple times through the course of the year and uh we have reduced packages reduced rates for the military uh people for those too so uh you know we we just uh, actually yesterday had a had a group here from the base that was raising money for one of the military charities so uh so uh, you know, it's nice to nice to have those people here. Um, you know, we try and we work with the Folds of Honor uh, on Labor Day weekend and to, to raise money for that uh, through the PGA of America. So uh, so we do try and do some things that uh, can help those guys uh, for all they do for us. Absolutely, and thank you for doing that. That's fantastic stuff. And uh, just a couple more before we let you go, Rick. You know, one one of the top teachers in the country is is Tom Patry, and I've been blessed to have Tom as part of the show on a few occasion, occasions, and he's now teaching out of Bully Rockets at different points. Talk about having Tom on site with you guys. Uh, Tom's, Tom's great. Uh, you know, when I, was, when I was up in Allentown teaching full-time, one of my students had come to me and said, you know, you really ought to go, go try and touch base with this, with, uh, this guy. He's, uh, he's up at, he was up at Westchester Country Club at that time in New York, he said, "I think you have a lot in common. I think you, you know, you two would get a, get along very good." And uh, so I just called Tom on the phone one day and said, "You know, I'm teaching teaching at a range facility here, and you were recommended to me, and uh, I'd like to come up and watch you teach." And Tom said, "Come on up." And uh, we came, you know, got there and got there about seven in the morning. He met me. We sat down and had breakfast and. Uh, he uh you know spent the day with him and uh that was uh I, that was before I came here so that was 20 years ago so we've been close friends ever since uh and uh uh you know Tom Tom visit visits a lot and he's been a very good friend he's been a big help great teacher uh you know really really good guy for golf uh you know really takes takes pride in what he does uh he's you know obviously he's brought along a lot of good people work with tour people and he's just as good with with beginners and uh you know it just so happened that it worked out that he's he's here this year uh, he's here a week a month in fact i'm he'll be here he'll be rolling in sunday night for and to be here next week with us for another week and uh so we kind of do some clinics together with uh and then he'll do some teaching on his own and uh you know obviously it's 
he'll bring some people here to Bully Rock that haven't been here before. So with some of his golf schools and individual, you know, sessions and stuff. So very lucky and very very fortunate to have Tom here. I'm very fortunate to have Tom as a as a friend. Yeah, and I've been like I said, I've been blessed and fortunate to have Tom on the show a few times. He is good people and uh, a great teacher of the game, and uh, always a great time when I get the opportunity to spend some time with Tom. Rick, before uh, we let you go, let our listeners know how can they follow you and all the great things that uh, that's going on up at Bully Rock, whether that's online or over social media as well. Uh, well, we we have a Facebook page. Uh, we have uh, you know our website is www.bullyrockgolf.com. Uh, you can get on there, and that gives you a pretty good flair of uh, of what you do. There's a Bully Rock app that uh, uh, through uh, one of our scorecard companies that you can get on to, and that'll give you you know vi- visual overhead uh, look of the of the golf course. Uh, so those are numerous ways we take tea. We take tee times 30 days in advance, so you, anybody can book a tee time, on, and it's, you can do that right on our website. Uh, we've got a, a, you know, everything here, all the amenities of what you'd expect at a private club are here. We've got, uh, we've got a, uh, the, just number one, the drive coming up off of Route 40 up through the golf course. It's, it's a mile drive comes up through the course, and you come have actually come through a tunnel and the golf course opens up in front of you and if that doesn't get you ready to play golf I don't know what would. Uh we've got a great three game short game area. There's a huge putting green at the first tee. We've got a wonderful two fairway driving range. Uh we have caddies available, full service locker room, locker room attendants on staff, all the amenities of, you know, what you would expect at a private club. And along with that, we've got a, a great food and beverage operation. We've got a very talented chef. Um, uh, you know, obviously you're in Maryland, so it's it's crab cake and crab soup area, and he's he's got a phenomenal crab cake. We have three different crab soups on the menu, so just a lot of a lot of great things, uh, you know, here to to make it a special day of play. And uh, you know, for somebody that hasn't been here, you know, I think you mentioned earlier, it's in Golf Digest and Golf Magazine's top 100. You can play and within their top 50 on both lists. So the, you know, I think that's a tribute that with all the new golf courses that have been built, you know, 20 years after us, that it's uh, it's maintained its uh, it's maintained the status and it's main, maintained the integrity of uh, you know of those ratings. So we're very very fortunate to be here where we are. Yeah, really fantastic. The course looks absolutely spectacular when you look at it online. And for those that are going to go out there and book your tee time and, and go play out of Bully Rock, you're looking at Bully is B-U-L-L-E. So it's Bully Rock, and uh, it's, it absolutely is an amazing golf course. And uh, looking forward to hopefully at one point getting the opportunity to go play it. But, Rick, thank you so much for taking Chris, time out for, of your morning. thanks for having me on, and uh, it was great to talk to you. And uh Yep, you need to. You know, we're right off of 95. That's the you know from the standpoint of we're we're between right in the middle of New York and and Wall and Washington with Philly and Baltimore in between, and you pretty much come off 95 and you come right into the road that comes into our into our facility. So it's easy to get to, and uh, you know, like I said, I don't think I don't think anybody'd be disappointed coming here. It's just a just a one phenomenal golf course. Absolutely, and you're exactly right. I'm sure no one would be disappointed when they get the opportunity to tee it up at Bully Rock. So Rick, now you've got to get here and play. <laughs> ah, are you kidding me? I can't wait to get there and play. It, uh, like I say, it looks absolutely spectacular. I'd love to tee it up there sometime. Good. Rick, Anytime, give me a call. <laughs> I appreciate it. I sure will. 
So, Rick, thank you for being here. Again, thanks for coming on the show. We hope you'll come back, uh, you know, again sometime soon and update us on all the great things you guys are doing. We appreciate it. We appreciate your time. We appreciate what you're doing also for for our friends in the military, and and, uh, we look forward to having you back on the show again sometime. Thanks, Chris. Good to be with you. All right. Take care, Rick. Thank you. Bye-bye. That is Rick Roundsville Again, Bully Rock, I'm telling you folks, go online and check it out. You want to talk about a spectacular-looking golf course. And again, uh, you know, as, as we mentioned at the top, and Rick just mentioned a moment ago, in the top 100 courses that you can play, uh, you know, named by Golf Magazine, inside the top 50, I, last I looked, it was 41st. It is an absolutely beautiful golf course. And you know Pete Dye does it, right? right? And they do it right there up at Bully Rock. So again, check it out online. And Bully Rock, again, is B-U-L-L-E. Bully Rock. Uh, we thank uh, we thank Rick for being a part of the show, and and thank you know thanks to Tom Patrick, like I said, who's been a you know guest on the show a few times for turning us on to Bully Rock and his time teaching up there. So check out our friend Tom Patrick again, TomPatrick.com. Uh, if you're going to be up that way, and uh, go say hello to Rick, go say hello to Tom, and play a, a spectacular golf course. All right, folks, it is time for me to put a bow on this episode. But before we close up shop, I want to remind you about our friend and partner, PGA Tour Pro Jim Estes, and the great folks over at the Salute Military Golf Association. Let's hear a word from Jim about what you know some of the great things that they're doing. The Salute Military Golf Association was created to provide rehabilitative golf experiences to the brave men and women who have been wounded while serving our country. Hi, I'm Jim Estes, PGA Golf Pro and co-founder of the Salute Military Golf Association. With my adaptive golf program, we've successfully helped thousands of soldiers in their recovery, both mentally and physically. The SMGA has been providing family-inclusive golf experiences across the country since 2007. To date, the SMGA has equipped more than 1,000 warriors with properly fitted golf clubs and has extended its clinic series to more than eight chapter and affiliate locations across the U.S., If you are a wounded veteran interested in participating or if you'd like to learn more about the Salute Military Golf Association and find a chapter closest to you, visit our website at smga.org. We've seen firsthand how impactful golf can be in aiding one's recovery. The Salute Military Golf Association, empowering wounded veterans one fairway at a time. Visit smga.org. That's smga.org. Yeah, Jim and the great folks over there are doing some amazing things at the Salute Military Golf Association. To find out more information and how you can get involved, go to smga.org. All right, everybody, my sincere thanks again to Tom Dixon, Scott Felix, and Rick Roundsville for making today's show so much fun for me to be a part of. I hope you really enjoyed it as well. I also hope you'll check out our sister show, Thursday Night Tailgate, with me and my co-host Bob Lazari and our announcer Joe LaGianusa. That show airs live every Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. You can find it on the Armed Forces Radio Network. It's on Blog Talk Radio. You can stream it on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, TuneIn, Stitcher, Player.fm, SoundCloud. We're all over the net. Check out our site as well, ThursdayNightTailgate.com. You can stream or download any of our archive episodes from there as well. On Thursday Night Tailgate, every week we are joined by legends and stars from around the NFL. We're official partners of the NFL Alumni Association and the Gridiron Greats. Please also check out both shows on Facebook. Give us a like. That's important to us too, right? Next on the tee with Chris Mascaro, Thursday Night Tailgate. You can find both shows online. This show, nextonthetee.net and thursdaynighttailgate.com. From either one of our sites, you can stream or download any of our archive episodes for free, folks. And like I say, keep up to date with some, who some of our future guests are going to be as well. 
I can't thank you enough for choosing again to listen to this show. We know we got a lot of shows and podcasts you have the opportunity to listen to. We really appreciate the fact that you're making Next on the T one of them. Tell all your friends, please. Uh, you know the show continues to grow. We're so very grateful to our sponsors, you know, for helping us grow the show, and to our great listeners that are you know telling their friends. We hope you'll tell all of yours as well. We really appreciate that. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends. You've been listening to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA legends, pros and top instructors, and media members go to tell their stories. Join us the same time every Saturday to hear more stories about the game we love from the people who love sharing those stories with you. It's all about the great game of golf. It's all about the great game of golf.